Welcome, everybody, to the Live Your Legacy podcast. I'm your host, Eric Kelly, and I believe that we can all create a powerful legacy through our own unique contribution to the world. I'm super honored today to welcome Justin Mercer to the show. Thanks for having me on. Welcome. The Tattooed Realtor. (laughs) How did you get that name? I named myself. (laughs) (laughs) I I had my brand ready to go when I was still in school. So I had like my business cards made, my car wrap, like all that was getting done before I had my license. So you had a vision very early on. Yeah. I kind of took it from, I was driving a semi and there used to be a billboard called the Tattoo Boyer. And he had a sleeveless uh, tuxedo on, a big gavel. And I remember thinking that's exactly who I would use. And that that visual and that saying has stuck with me. And then now I joined real estate. I was like, oh, maybe I can just brand myself that guy. That guy did. Yeah. So the anti-lawyer lawyer, Byron Brown, do you know who he is? Yeah, that's him. That, he used to call himself the tattoo lawyer. The tattoo lawyer. Yeah. yeah. So the so the brand and the visual both resonated with you. Yeah, it was just more like I think that was my permission to do something different. Yeah, and that's seeing really cool. somebody with success doing it. I was like, oh, what if I just take out the word lawyer and add realtor? Like, yeah, it was kind of like I wanted to do real estate for ten years, but I never thought I could. And then I see the billboard, and then cut to like a point in my life where I actually joined. I was like, you know what? He was my permission for me to do it. I think that's so cool. There's a really um, uh, inspiring quote, I think, by Marianne Williamson that, you know, people use a lot. I think it's a fairly common reference. But one of the things in there is, uh, you know, when you uh, shine your own light, you're giving other people permission to do the same, which is kind of what that experience was for you. Yeah. And I got people all over the country now that say, oh, you inspired me to do real estate. And like, it feels stupid to hear. Like, I'm just like, I'm a regular guy. Like. It's hard to hear sometimes, but I was like, oh, he was that to me. Maybe I'm that to them. So it's like, now it's coming full circle. Kind of yeah. feels good to hear that. Yeah, it's really cool. Well, let's start with the obvious question. How many tattoos do you have? Just one big one. They're all connected now. I love that. <laughs> yeah, a unit tattoo. Yeah, there's now just, they're all connected to their own body. <laughs> That's fantastic, man. I love it. How old were you when you started getting tattoos? I was 15 when I got my first one. Okay. So I got it on the back. Of my, I have a single mom, so. It was easy to talk her and stuff. I actually had piercing all over my face. Like that's what my first thing was, was piercings. Yeah. And then I worked next to a tattoo shop and they're like, it was a computer gaming store. It was a big nerd. Yeah. And they'd come over and play computer games. Like cool ass tattoo guys would come over and I'd give them free sessions because I wanted to be the cool kid because I was a nerd. And they're like, we're going to tattoo you. And I'd call my mom and they're like, and she's like, ah, yes. Really? The owner of the shop gave me my first tattoo and he never had tattooed before. She's like, if I messed it up, I'll have my guys fix it. So yeah, he sure did. He messed it up really bad. <laughs> and then this guy's fixed it for free. But it was my first tattoo. <laughs> I, thought I, was gonna, I thought I went to school the next day. Like I was like a stud. Like I was the only one in the school with a tattoo. That's a great story. Isn't it interesting too that the owner of the business had no skill as a technician in that business? Yeah, he just owned it. He like my skin was like raw. He like went way too deep. It was scar tissue all over the place. Even this guy that fixed it, like, dude, he jacked you up. <laughs> and yet you went back yeah. again. Yeah, did it again. The professionals we did it. Yeah. It's a lot better now. I love that you uh I love that you were bartering at a young age and yeah. that you were like contributing something that that was some what somebody else wanted. Like, what do you want? And uh then you were receiving in exchange for that. And that's cool. Yeah. That they did that. Well, um, one of the things that I really, really admire about you is uh, you and I met probably just when you were first licensed, within the first couple licenses, first couple months of, of you being licensed. And I remember distinctly having a conversation with you and you had so much anxiety and like trepidation about, hey, is, 
am I going to be believable in real estate? Like, are people going to trust me? Like, am I actually going to be able to do this and build a business? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So I was just, I asked when I teach this my branding course, but uh, when I was coming up with what I want to do, I asked all my family and friends. I said, here's my idea. I want to do real estate. Here's how I'm going to brand myself. Here's how I'm going to come in. And every single one of them told me, no, they all told me you can't change like society's stigma of tattoo people. Wow. And everyone told me no. It wasn't no, it wasn't a no as in you cannot do it. It was a no and I cannot change people's minds. Right. So I was like, well. And these are the people closest to you closest that to love you, trust you, know you the most. Yeah. So I, I asked them the hard questions. Why? How, like asked them all the questions, not just because not, I wasn't looking for a way not to do it. I was looking for if these people love me and these are their objections. Mm-hmm. I have to come overcome these objections to the public. So it wasn't their beliefs in you. It was their beliefs about however other people would receive you. Mm-hmm. And then I said, I asked them what they viewed me, then or viewed my idea. Mm-hmm. And that's where I got what I needed to overcome. And I said, well, how do you view me? And they all of them say, you're funny. You're a great worker. You're the hardest worker I know. Like, you're, you're funny. You make me laugh. You care. Like, well, those are all, all great real estate. <laughs> or those are all great characteristics to have in real estate, too. Absolutely. But it's just how do you get that to the people? So I, I, I actively thought every day. Like, how do I overcome these objections? How do I present myself? And then my marketing and ideas have changed over the years or ever since I've been in the business. Like, they change. Um, you just adapt to what's happening at, then, at that time. Because I was going for a certain angle, but then I was like, oh, I don't need to go for that angle anymore. So I change it up. Yeah. Because my, my first thing is I went to all the tattoo shops and dropped off my cards and flyers. I went to, like, extreme bike shows. I went to tattoo conventions. I went to all these things where my people, like bikers, extreme sports, rockers, like, those are the type I thought I would go after. But then my first three or four closings came from open houses. And my first three or four clients never had tattoos. Wait a second. People came into open houses and they talked to you? Yeah. They weren't intimidated? No. So that was one. So the belief systems were maybe not on target? So, but what I thought, I thought I had to look legit, first of all, because everyone said they're not going to believe you, even the agent. So okay. that's why I told you in school, I was, I had my cards made. I had my car being wrapped. I had my open house signs being made because I knew I was going to do open houses. But when I, when I ask people, <clears throat> this is what drives me crazy, but everyone wants to join real estate. They don't do the research. Right. So they just think it's easy money and they join. Like I asked all the agents, like, how do you get the business? Right. First of all, and cold calling, door knocking, open houses, sphere, <clears throat> social media. But I was like, I'm never going to door knock. Yeah. Because what am I going to waste my time knocking on someone's door that doesn't know me? Right. And then they're not going to open the door. They're going to be freaked out and call a cop, whatever it was. Or cold calling is the same thing. I'm going to have this conversation. I'm going to prospect it and I'm going to call them and talk to them for two or four months. And then when we finally meet face to face, now I got to overcome my, the look. Sure. So I was like, I'll do open houses, social media, sphere, all that. But I wanted to look legit because I knew no one's going to believe me. If you walk into an open house that has open house signs, you see me, you're going to think I kidnapped the agent. So like I had, I had t-shirts, <laughs> made. Yeah, I had t-shirts made, my car was wrapped, my open house signs were my colors and logo, my car was my color, my logo, my t-shirt was, I had a six foot cutout in front of the door of me saying, don't be alarmed by a big tattooed white guy uh, or big tattooed guy, uh, please sign in and feel free to look around the house. So now the objections overcame before you come in. Yeah. Their question when they come in and see me is not, are you the agent? Why are you handing me this paper? All that. Now they can just like, they know I'm here. They know I'm the agent. I hand it to them. So it was more of a legitimacy play. I think there's such brilliance in what you did, though. Do you realize that? I mean, it was like just starting out asking the people closest to you and uh, affirming your belief in yourself and what they knew you to be as an individual, as a human being, 
but then asking the what they perceive the objections would be so that you could overcome those up front and, and just eliminate that. It's like Eminem winning the rap contest in eight mile, right? Yeah. He, just, he just took everything off the table that was going to be an objection yeah. or, or a criticism. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But like I had my back against the wall moment. I didn't have room to fail. So I had to go all in and it forced me to use parts of my brain. I never thought I'd use before. Like you gotta understand I was a truck driver for 13 years and before that I was a teacher. Yeah. Like I never had a, uh, what's called? Uh, creative side of my brain. Okay. And I did a clothing line that failed. I don't want to say failed. I just didn't make money. Yeah. But I sold a shit ton of t-shirts and I was like, I sold all the funny t-shirts. Like every shirt I had that was a great idea or that no one did before. Yeah. I sold out of all the time. Like I made booty shorts that looked a certain way. And people like the sayings or people like the pictures that I made. Like I made an OJ Simpson shirt that was on the, the Megatron at the ASU game. <laughs> the entire stadium was full and they're laughing at my, my OJ shirt. Yeah. And everyone's like, where did you get that? Where did you get that? I'm like, I made it. Like it's my, my clothing company. But it was like, it was a tattooed clothing company. And I put, when he got the non-guilty verdict, he yeah. kind of had like a turnaround smirk at the camera. So I used that picture and I tattooed two teardrops on him. And I said, he earned them. But yeah. like... People just thought that was just crazy, funny, and unique. And I sold out those shirts every time. So I've had that creative side before, but I was kind of forced into it. When I was driving a truck, I never used it. So now that I'm in real estate, my back against the wall moment. Well, we can go on that later if you want or not. But that kind of forced me into like, you have to, you have no place to go. Like you have to do this at a high level. Yeah. You know what the repercussions are. Yeah. Well, you've proved in such a smart way though, um, you know, going to other agents, identifying very quickly what were, what were your niche, like what was going to play to your strengths as an individual. And then, you know, going all in, as you said, on those things and just, I'm going to overcome the objections, but I know exactly what I'm going to do to generate the business and be very purposeful and intentional about that. Yeah. I think one of the things that's a challenge to our industry is there's so many different ways that you could be successful in the industry. Um, and a hundred times as many ways that you could probably fail actually maybe not there's really one way you can't fail or or the one way you can't fail is you quit yeah you know you just give up or you try to do too many things at once you don't ever get any traction but i think that's also on on the person too because i did my research when i was in school yeah like i wasn't just going to school i was researching real estate so i said like what's the fail rate i knew there's an 80 percent fail rate in the industry yeah i knew my first year if i want to be average i'll sell two to three homes my first year i knew I'll probably have to wait seven months before I get my first check. Like, so I had this all in my head going in and I knew I couldn't sell two to three homes. I knew I couldn't wait seven months. So right. it put me in positions where I needed to hurry up. So you didn't come in with fat stacks cash from the t-shirt business? No, no, no. Yeah. no I, I, I survived that, but it was like I, my other job killed that business too. I Did mean, you make the Britney shirt I saw you in last week? <laughs> no, I had a Zach Morris shirt though. That, <laughs> that was a popular seller. So. <laughs> People don't even know who Zach Morris is anymore. <laughs> That's funny. So you came in and you were feeling uh, like you were in a place of desperation. Yeah. That's always a good time to start your own business or yeah. entrepreneurial venture, right? I mean, I mean, it's, I'm, I'm kind of making fun of it because, you know, my story was very, very similar to that. It's like, hey, it's you got to fly or die. So yeah. um, I, I drove a semi for 13 years. Yeah. And it like tore my life apart. I've ruined two marriages, ruined my time with my kids. Um, after the first marriage, my idea of marriage was, I think I grew up, my father passed away when I was little. So I grew up thinking my job was as a husband was to provide and protect. So I'm just providing for the family, as long as I was protecting the family, my duties are fulfilled, right? Yeah. I just raised with a single mom. Like she had to do all, all that. Yeah. 
But if we had a dad, this would happen. So like in my mind, that's where I was great. I, I wasn't raised having family dinners. Like we, my mom would leave $10 and she had three jobs. Like me and I used to try to walk to Burger King to get food and bring it back. So um, I was raised differently. So I was, I think kids are still the environment they know. So now that I'm an adult and have a kid and have a wife, I was working 60 hours a week. When I come home, I was tired. I want to lay down. I want help with the dishes, go for walks or all this stuff that you're supposed to do as a husband. True. So it puts her in a position and this marriage didn't work out. Um, I had a lot of anger and just, I hated my job. I hated my life. She didn't want to work. Like there was just so much things going on that that marriage got ruined. And a lot of it probably was on my shoulders because I had false expectations of what my job was. Right. I was working 60 hours a week. I bought us this house. I work every weekend. I like break my back working. Why do you keep coming at me? Yeah. And it was because you didn't spend time with me. You didn't call me beautiful. You didn't do the dishes after I slaved over hot dinner. Like the stuff you're supposed to notice and do, I wasn't doing. Right. So I learned all that going on my next one. <clears throat> And she was young and the same thing was work, 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 work. Like Sundays, she wanted to hang out and walk in the park. But my idea was I just worked 70 hours this week. You know, I have to work at midnight tomorrow and you ask me to go for a walk. Yeah. So my mind was so toxic. It was just like, why are you coming at me asking this? You know, I'm tired. In her eyes, it's like, I didn't see you all week because you were working. Now I finally get time with you and you're not doing. So like it, it just put me in a mental position where like I wasn't seeing the other side. Like now I was working and, and doing the family stuff and helping the dishes and helping cook, but the quality time wasn't there, right? And she needed quality time. So just like that marriage ended. And it was mostly because of work. I worked an hour before work. I slept an hour before work, an hour after work. So if people don't know this. Like for two years I've been there and just, it's toxic for your brain. Like Yeah. And How did you survive doing that? I mean, just like physically. I don't I honestly don't know. I still was going to the gym. I still was trying to keep up with the kids. I was still trying to pick them up. Um <clears throat> What was driving that in you? Like, I'm, I'm curious. I mean, I think there's a lot of societal expectations. And I think some of the things that you that you pointed out provide and protect. I think a lot of uh, males and, and fathers and, you know, husbands or, you know, as you, as you get into those adult relationships in life, I think a lot of us feel that re- responsibility. But like, what was driving you to go at that pace at that time in your life? Paycheck to paycheck. I live paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. So it's just survival. Survival mode and... I would, I would, I can vividly like picture myself at gas stations, like about to deliver. Cause I drove a semi and loads it up with 26,000 pounds of product that you're offloading and wheeling in and breaking out pallets in the parking lot. Like it's a backbreaking, tiring job. Yeah. But I remember I would sit there at gas stations and like see a guy get out of a Mercedes in a suit. And I'm like, dude, like, I missed the boat on that life. Like I shouldn't, I want to be happy like that guy. Like I want to have, I was living vicariously through strangers that, that I didn't even know. I had a beautiful wife, beautiful kids beautiful house in Gilbert. Like I had all the things that people beg for. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting here wishing I was somebody else all because of my job. Was so. that a, uh, so that was a comparison that would, that was robbing you of joy or appreciation or recognition of what you had, not a, not a comparison that was fueling an aspiration for something better at that time. I want everything I have now. Yeah. I also want to be able to wake up at seven, wear a suit and go get coffee at a gas station. Like the little things, that shouldn't matter it's just because I had a job that was beating me down. Like, I've been, this guy's just starting his day. I've been at work for five hours. Right. Yeah, right. So it's just like, I just, I was living through other people and it, and it sucked. And then, which caused, I'll sleep an hour before afterward. And it caused this, this new person to me. Like, it was just irritable all the time. Everyone, kids, my wife, with life. Like, I just, I would cry on the way to work because I just built up anxiety. I'm like, I'm playing out my entire day in my head. Like, yeah. I already, it's, 
midnight, I'm not even clocked in for work, and I'm, I know exactly what the whole day is going to be. And then I have to get off and try to hurry up and go sleep for an hour. And when my wife at the time and I like decided she couldn't do this, because she was so young, she was 22 years old. Why is she living this like that with two kids that aren't hers? He's miserable. So I felt for her. And I just asked her, I said, hey, you start work at seven or at eight. Yeah. Wake up at six. Just wake up at six for me. Or go to bed at six p.m. or six a.m. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Sleep till seven a.m. I said, then go to work. And then when you get off after work, sleep for an hour and wake up and stay back till six. I said, just do it for three days for me. Mm-hmm. I said, I guarantee you're not going to be the same person. I said, I've been doing this for two years. Like, just stick with me. I'll get past it. And a week later, just other things happened. Like, she, so she got where I was coming from. Yeah. I'm like, this is not me. You know, it's not me. I just can't help it. And I know I can't help it. Just trying to survive, right? Just survive with me. Yeah. She was going to school to be a loan officer. I said, once you get that and you start making better money, now I can not work the 70 hours. I said, so there's a, there's an end game here. Just stick it out with me. And I don't blame her. Like, she didn't stick it out, but that also, she left. We got divorced. We bought a house together. So when we sold the house, I got divorced. I just lost the house. I lost a wife. I had half time with my kids because they were from a previous marriage, but those are her, those weren't her kids, but she took care of them while they work. Yeah. So now without her, the mom has to come back in and take them full time. And I was just going to do it here and there because I have to work at midnight. I obviously can't wake them up, take them to school, all that kind of stuff. So like I lost my kids, wife, house. At yeah. what point am I going to stop going down this rabbit hole of being miserable? And like I said, I always had that idea of real estate and that was when I just said, fuck it. So that night, I got. I went to real estate school that that next day. I signed up, went to the first class, and for two and a half weeks, I didn't sleep. Like I slept an hour here or there at work because I went straight from work, straight from school to work, straight from work to get the kids because I didn't have that time anymore. Yeah. So I spent any time I couldn't dropping back off with mom. Went to real estate school. Went to work. I, I did that for two and a half weeks. So I got my license. That's incredible, man. Yeah. So that was like the back against the wall moment. I was like, either to them. You're going to keep going down that same path that's ruined two marriages and you're just going to keep doing it or you can just make the change. Well, what really inspires me about that, Justin, too, is that most people wouldn't survive a week of living like that, you know, and you're living that life grinding in a job that you don't hate. And there's a lot of talk in the world today about hustling, grind and stuff like that. I'm not a big fan of the word grind personally, because I think if you're doing the work that fulfills you. You might be working hard, you might be working a lot, you might be sacrificing, but it doesn't feel like you're grinding. Like you're just you're just doing your thing, right? And if you're grinding, you're probably it's probably because you're pushing against the wrong real the wrong thing. Yeah. I think I work more hours in real estate than I ever did truck driving. Yeah. But, but I, it lights you up. I never work. Like I I feel guilty because I never I don't ever go to bed thinking about real estate. I don't ever wake up thinking, oh, yeah. Like I woke up today and like I gotta take the kids to school, I gotta make Eric's podcast. Like I'm running through my day of exciting shit. Like it's just like the stuff I like, and this is a work day. So it's like, I, I don't ever work. I work 24 hours a day in real estate, you know that. Yeah. But it never feels like work. Like, it's a hobby. How did you manage through? I mean, all of those are major life events. So you're exhausted. Uh, you're living paycheck to paycheck. You're not sleeping. You're brand new to real estate. Um, you're going through a divorce. You know, you're having feelings about your kids and trying to handle. How did you find the strength emotionally and the focus to just even move through that time? Uh, it's funny you ask that because I, I do this in my marketing class. It was my why. So everyone has the, their why is supposed to push them through, right? Right. That's what everyone says. My why is pushing them through. Like, everyone needs a strong why if you really want what you want because it's going to help you go after it. <clears throat> but what's everyone's why? Yeah. What's, what's 90% of everyone's why? 
good question. Most of the time, yeah, family, and kids, family, right? yeah, it's family and kids. But I'm like, this is not going to be my why because like I, I'm sleeping an hour a day for my family. <laughs> I'm sleeping an hour a day for my kids. Right. Like I, I was in the worst point of my life, going through just mental battles, marriage battles, and I still kiss my kids every night. I still told them I love them every night. We still went to Disneyland once a year. Yeah. We still celebrated birthdays. Like my kids were always taken care of. If I real estate failed tomorrow, I'll go get three warehouse jobs to support the family. I've done that before. Yeah. So like they're not my why, it's my obligation. Like they're always gonna be taken care of no matter where I'm at in life. So what's gonna be the why that's gonna push me through was the the doubts, the everyone's doubts on me, the news story that did the article. Like it was all that stuff that people I saw what people were truly saying about me, not as me as a person, because none of them have ever met me. They're basing all this based off of just the way I look. And I was like, my why is going to be to shut people up. Because the one thing you can't argue with is success. So if I push my ass off to get success, like, what are you going to say now? If you have no more to talk about, because if I fail out, you were right. All these people say I look like a prisoner and no one's going to trust you, all this stuff. And they're right. So like, I'm trying to change the stigma. And unless like, I have the success, I can't change the stigma. So right. that was my why. It was to, I say shut people up, but it was to change the stigma. Yeah. But that's what kept me going. Because if I failed, I was going to be a laughing stock and I was going to be right. And the people that commented on that original post that got me a news story, they're all going to be right. And the people who think because I have a face tattoo, I beat my wife, they're all right. Like it's, it's, I have to change the stigma. And that's what pushed me through. My argument all the time, people are like, oh, you look like that. Like you, you, you type to someone across the street, they saw you coming. I'm like, yeah, but you, you, you wave at a pedophile, you open the door for one. Or you like, you at a restaurant, you stare at me, but you're like reading the guy that beats his wife. Like you don't truly know anybody. That's right. Especially nowadays, you don't, you don't know anybody. So why is it okay for you to look at me and come up with all these assumptions? So that's what I was trying, trying to change about. Man, that's such a powerful perspective. And I love that, um, you know, I mean, obviously we're, we're going to talk about legacy today, but, but that's a legacy kind of statement. You being driven by changing the stigma and now not allowing people that didn't know you personally, that were uninformed, right? That had their own whatever perspective, uh, not allowing them to be right. Yeah. I mean, that's really, really powerful. And I, I think you're right about your kids too. Um, you know, I know they're important to you. I also think that if we're living our life only for our family or for our kids and we're making that our why, um, then that's not, that's not always going to be 100% fulfilling for the duration of our life. Yeah. So there's got to be something bigger than that. Like maybe that's a component of that, being that provider and protector and having loving relationships with them. But there's got to be something bigger. Yeah. Plus, if my kids see that version of me all the time. Like, that's what my son's going to think is normal. He's going to think like I do. You don't need a wife and kids. Like, you don't need to be that husband. Like, you don't need to be that person because he's going to see me growing up without it or constantly going through different women. Or whatever. like, I wouldn't do that, but just like cycling in and out and seeing that, how happy it was. They were on the beach with me when we got married, how happy we were. Yeah. And they also saw how miserable, how big like, the crying, the sadness at home, the dads at work, like all that kind of stuff. So, there's also like to help my kids because if I keep going on the same road, now I'm teaching my kids like this is what normal is. It's not right. This is all normal because I held myself back or right. I told myself I couldn't do what I couldn't do real estate 10 years ago. Like it was just me holding myself back. Yeah. Like, yeah I got the tattoos. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I got the tattoos. Don't blame yourself. Like, don't blame that. Like, but at the same time, it's like, like I, anyone should be able to do what they can. Like, you never know someone's perspective of life. Like, 
Like, you never know what somebody's been through to get where they are. You never know why someone actually tattoos their face or something like that. There might be dip, deeper lying issues, like, like that, but that shouldn't hinder somebody from doing what they want to be or living the life they want to live with their family. Like, and I think they, a lot of people do is because the outside keeps tearing them down. Yeah, I think that's so true. If I listened, I wouldn't be in real estate. I want to be trying to change the stigma. My kids would still be suffering if I if I listen to every single person outside. Yeah. How do they feel? How do they feel about what you've created now? I mean, your your brand is big. We're gonna talk a little bit about marketing too, but but every, like, what's their reaction to it in this season of life? They think I'm a celebrity. Yeah, you kind of are. Well, they, they, <laughs> they have been to many restaurants where people come up to me. They've seen people take pictures of me at the bus. They every kid at their school thinks we're millionaires because of stuff we pick them up in. Yeah, like I have a limo or the bus, and like. Yeah. Kids' perspective, like if you have a limo, you're a millionaire. Yeah, but like, well, it's all wrapped, like all your stuff, the yeah. bed, the bus, the limo, all of it. You, like you know who's driving it. Yeah, right? you're, kids you know wear what my shirt to school. Yeah, and now I have a ton of kids in their school wearing my shirt to school. Like that's so cool. So they think that's like a mean celebrity. Their dad is. Yeah, because when we we walk through, we're like, oh, that's your dad. I've seen it. Like so, my daughter goes to school. That's awesome. That's so cool. <clears throat> yeah. Well, you talked about the face tattoos and changing the stigma, but um, I think, you know, like even the ones on your face are love and beautiful and, you know, which yeah, I think expresses your heart. So I was going to do my entire face. Like that was my end goal, like before real estate and all that. I was like, I, I wanted to do my entire face. And then now that I'm in real estate, I'm like, because mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of people do say, yeah, they, it's a lot, but you still have a personality behind it where your smile can kind of like, cut down the craziness and yeah. like if you did your whole face like there's no more like emotion expression left so I was like no I'm good I'll stop doing this now yeah so, that's funny yeah there's not, not going to be any more so you pay your threshold yeah at least for the face <laughs> yeah alright okay good so what advice would you give to uh, to someone like me that, that doesn't have ink on their body yet that's uh, that's uh, being encouraged to go get their first tattoo oh they want to get their first one yeah just get it <laughs> Yeah. Everyone thinks it has to have a meaning. And sometimes it doesn't have to have a meaning. Like it's just some because you want to do it. Like sometimes it's just you think it's cool. You think it's, like there doesn't have to be a reason behind it. And that's what everyone's like. You got so many. What do they all mean? I'm like, well, some do have meaning, but other than that, like some of them are just design, like tattoos. I like the way they look. I like the way they feel. Yeah. So it's like if you just want one, like don't worry too much about what it has to mean and just get it. It yeah. means something to you at the end of the day. Yeah, that's the important thing. You overcoming a fear or whatever it was it's still the tattoo is still something as you getting a first tattoo like that doesn't have to have another meaning on top of it yeah so i just say do it all right because people will make excuses anyway i could tattoo a butterfly on my neck and someone's like what's on me? oh it represents change i can say whatever i want to it but at the end of the day it's still just a butterfly well i think the important point was it's what it means to you it's what it represents yeah. to you which really should be true of anything that we do in life right it's like what's the meaning to you yeah because we're all making up the story about what the meaning is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, have you designed any of your own? Yeah. Yeah. Or I didn't like this is like drawn them out, but they've been like my ideas. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I'm not I'm horrible. I'm not artistic at all. You want to <laughs> tell, but I'm not artistic at all. Well, you're obviously creative though. Creative. Yeah. So let's talk about the creativity behind. Uh, let's talk about the creativity behind <clears throat> the brand and how you've expanded. I mean, obviously. You got to know the business of real estate. You became very proficient at that, became a good real estate agent, um, and then said, okay, now I'm really going to start building a brand and building a business out in this industry. Talk about that transition and what that looked like for you. So brand to me was, uh, it was in stone before I even finished school because I wanted to look legit. And I know people trust a brand based on a look. You don't have to have any kind of 
you do sometimes, but sometimes it's just cloud. You know what cloud is? Yeah. Just like sometimes it's cloud. Like I That's use, like an old school world. Oh, word. old school, old yeah. school word. Yeah. You got to run it out. Now it's cool again. Yeah, now it's cool. <laughs> but uh, when I chose that, like I think outside perspective, right? So I, I was driving a semi, I was driving home from work, I was tired. I found a scorpion in my house. I was like fucking freaking out, right? Yeah. I have a baby at home. Like I just found a scorpion. My pest control company, they weren't working because I got a scorpion. And I pull up next to a green mango truck and it's like, it's lifted, dope tires on it, it's matte black, it's got a big green green mango sign. Yeah. And my pest control, green mango, I said, this guy must know what he's doing if you can afford this truck, right? Sure. If, if all of his people are driving around in these trucks, he must have a successful business. He must have a successful business because he's doing a good job. He must have a lot of referral and clients because he's getting rid of freaking scorpions, right? Right. And that was my head point. I called him and started their service the next day. It was just an outside perspective of what it was. So I was like, I didn't know anything about that brand, but it looks cool. Yeah. Made a powerful, made a powerful impression. Yeah. But I was like, I, and when I, now that I did my research on Green Mango, I know where they were at when I got to their service. And they were a brand new startup company. He didn't have shit for business. He wasn't even making money. Yeah. And here I was thinking. He was taking a risk though. He was taking a risk, but here I was thinking he has this giant company and he didn't. Yeah. So like when I was in real estate school, I was like, I I can't be Justin Mercer with my face tattoo. I have to make it look like I have a brand. And like the tattooed lawyer, I didn't know his name. His name was Byron Brown, but I knew him as a tattooed lawyer. And the tattooed lawyer has his business because he has billboards. Like that's, that's right. what I thought in my head. So I was like, I'm gonna do that same <clears throat> thing in real estate. I'm gonna be that name. So you're not gonna know me as Justin Mercer, you know me as the tattooed realtor, and you're not gonna know like my name is gonna be a brand. Yeah, it's because now I think people will trust a brand more than they trust Justin Mercer. Because if I am running an open house sign and I have car wrapped, I have signs made and this and T-shirts, people are like, obviously he has the business if he's got this brand that he's promoting. Right. I just assumed that people would, would trust the brand. So that's why I started branding myself heavy. And then people started seeing the colors everywhere. And I, I use colors. So psychologically, I use colors that people recognize. Or not eye-catching colors, I'm sorry. Yeah. And when I did my research on how to make a logo, I know nothing about branding, but I knew I couldn't go back to truck driving. Yeah. And I knew I had to get out of truck driving because I was still actually driving a truck. So I was like, I, anything I did, I'm like overthinking everything. So I like looked, yeah, I'm going to make a logo, I'm going to make a brand, do this right. So I was like, what catches up most eyes is red. Mm-hmm. I was like, everyone does red. There's so many logos and stuff with red in there. Next color was like anything like against black. So like hot pink against black. And I was like, oh, damn, perfect. Hot pink against black. Yeah, no one uses hot pink against black in real estate, right? And then the opposite color was um, blue, other black, like light blue, yep. and then the green is another highlight to black, eye catching. Yeah, I'm sorry. So that was like the logo. I, I did research; those eye catching colors. So I put them on everything. How'd you do your research on that? Just in Google. Yeah. So you jumped on Google, got an education in branding. Yeah. Found what resonated with you. Yeah. And um, and stood out. And now I'm teaching branding classes. Isn't that crazy? In two and a half years. And people think I'm a branding and marketing expert. I'm yeah. Like, no, I'm just an average Joe who hit a point where he couldn't fail. You know what makes you an expert though, Justin, is what makes you an expert is you did the research and you implemented and then you put your foot on the gas. I know. And that's what makes you an expert because now you've established something that is unimaginable to most people or they're not committed enough to do it. Yeah. And there's a lot of risk in that for you. Yeah, like, yeah, I thought people would trust a brand more than me. So it's kind of me like taking a different approach. Yeah. And I started when I was in school interviewing teams, 
I asked everyone who's the most famous real estate agent in Arizona. Mm-hmm. And they all said Russell Shaw or yeah. Shannon Gillette. And I didn't know Shannon Gillette at the time. But like I asked people, like, who's the most well-known real estate person out there? And everyone said Russell Shaw. Yeah. That's what everyone's answer was. And the people that are in the industry say Kenny Klaus and those people, but it's like in reality, no one outside of real estate knows Kenny Klaus. And he's got Huge team, right? Yeah. Great production team, but the average consumer doesn't know that. The average consumer knows Russell Shock. He's on TV, radio, all that. Yeah. If I slip and fall today, I know I'm going to call Rafi or Lerner Rose, the right way to go. Right. Or like 1-800 The Eagle, because all that stuff's been established in my head for years. Right. It's all branding. Like, yeah. And I know, repetition. I know how to get to Shango. I know, I can tell you exact directions of Shango right now <laughs> from a radio jingle. Right. Like, it's just like what everything was sticking in my head of who the the known names in town were, they were all jingles and famous people. So I was going to do that in real estate. So yeah. like, I want to be that brand in real estate where people don't know just perception wise, this guy has a brand. I want to be the call Raffi. Like if you get hurt, you see Raffi signs all the question call Raffi. Now yeah. if you get hurt or do you look for a house, you see my signs everywhere you can call tattoo. Like it was kind of more of a, like the brand was going to help me get out there. Yeah, no, I love that. And I think what's, what's really brilliant that you did as well as you went outside the industry um, I think that, uh, especially in our industry, in the business of real estate, people are all consumed with what's going on in real estate, who's doing what in real estate. It's all related to it. And you and I were kind of chatting before the, the show. And one of the things that I've always tried to instill in agents in like a teaching environment is speak consumer, not realtor. And, uh, and you went out and said, like, who's building a big brand? Who's done it with repetition? Who's been memorable in whatever industry? That, that I would think of when I think of their industry and, and created that in the, in the realm of real estate. I think my biggest marketing wins has been me thinking like a consumer, not an agent. And I teach that in my, on my marketing course. Yeah. That's one of my, the second step to my marketing course is think like a consumer, not like an agent. And when I say that, it's because I was at a point in my business where I finally quit the, the, the job, right? So mm-hmm. I finally quit the full-time job. I had two in escrow. How many months in? Uh, Two, two three months, months in. In, or, but I wasn't doing real estate for two, three months. I was driving a truck. Yeah. I was working 70 hours. So I had my license. I wasn't doing real estate. Yeah. I luckily had a friend that was an escrow. Um, so I had two in escrow and then Matt Chick got me to quit my job. He's like, all these people believe in you. You don't believe in yourself. And like, I'm teaching people to chase their dreams. Look what I did. I, I'm finally in real estate. I'm doing all this. The news did a story on me, but at the same time, I had a safety net. I had a full-time job that I, had, wow. I checked on. Yeah. So it was like almost to me, I was like being, um, like double messed up standard, but being like fake almost. Yeah. So I'm telling people chasing dreams, but well, it's kind of inauthentic. Yeah, right? I didn't even believe in myself. You felt. Yeah. Few people believe in me. So I wasn't being authentic. Mm-hmm. So I quit my job. Both my escrows fell out. Two the, I put my two weeks notice in. After the two weeks, I show up, both escrows fell out. And then March COVID hit. So now I'm like end of February, if I put my full-time job, all my escrows are gone. We're going into March. COVID's like starting to be a thing and then it hits. So I'm now in March had zero pipeline. March 2020. Yeah. Zero pipeline, zero deals, back against the wall, no more jobs. Just six months no savings money. in the bank at that no. time. Yeah. Had one paycheck. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, what do I need to do? And when I say the first step I did was think my why. Mm-hmm. Then I uh, interviewed myself. Because if, if real estate fails, guess what I'm going to go do? I'm going to go interview myself with another company. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm going to tell them everything I can do for them. So I, I, it sounds dumb. I sat in the mirror and said, what can you do for yourself? What do you do better than anyone else? What is being done that you can change? Like, that's all questions people ask you in a company, like an interview. 
Yeah. So I asked myself these questions. And then when I say things like soon my biggest aha moment was when I bought a house. I bought two houses, I sold two houses, and I wasn't in real estate. How did I choose my agent? We talked about that. It was just the girl at the gym, right? Yeah. That wore a t-shirt. And that's how I chose my agent. But then when I think about how am I going to get the business, I say, why didn't I go to on Facebook? I have a cousin who did real estate. I have three people I went to school with that do real estate. I have eight people on my feed from flag football that do real estate. Like, I'm like, why didn't I use them? So now it's March, I have zero business. But I'm like, I asked my question, why didn't I use those people on my social media? So I, when I sold my house, it was like September 18th. Right? So I scrolled through Facebook to September 18th to each one of those people's pages that I knew in real estate at the time. Yeah. And I was like, why didn't I use them? And like two of them weren't posting anything. Like they're like posting food and family. Yeah. The other two were just not on social media at all. Like they, like they post one picture every like three months. The other two were like posting market updates all the time. Like median price point in this city, median price point in this city. I'm like, I don't care. Like, as I told you, I assumed that my agent knew what she was talking about. So I didn't need to know this consumer. Even when I bought my house, I wasn't asking for the median property report in Gilbert, Arizona. I wasn't asking for the Cromford report. Right. I assumed she knew what she was talking about. So these people that were posting all this real estate related stuff, the just listed market median price, they were pricing three or four times a day, boring stuff and graphs and all that, that I was like, I'm skipping by it. So I was like, I'm never going to be the agent that doesn't post. I'm never going to be the agent that's posting market updates and all that. All these people are coming to me because I'm funny. They like my videos that were previous before real estate. So I was like, I'm going to start making funny real estate videos. And the first one I did was, or the first one I did at a purposeful level. So I did three before that were real estate related, but they were yeah. just funny film iPhone, shaky camera. Well, there's no thought put involved. So I'm going to put thought and process and, and substance involved in this. And that video got 30,000 views. I had like five customers from it. So I was like, oh. What was that video about? It was a hot tub. The hot tub one. So I dressed up in a full suit, sat in a hot tub, in the suit, yeah. with a glass of wine. I remember that video. And I pretended it was a Tinder video. Yeah. So I said, ladies, if you love rich man with beautiful houses, swipe right. And the camera lady was like, Justin, it's not for your Tinder, it's for the open house. I was like, oh, shit. But <laughs> so I, I did it at a very nice house, $3.2 million mansion. Yeah. I did an open house there. I did this launch video for it. I had 30,000 views of people cracking up because I did a Tinder video at an open house. No one's done that in real estate. Like, yeah, they, hilarious. They don't do funny stuff for real estate, a lot of them. So that, that open house was packed. And I'm getting seven or eight messages from like friends and family like, dude, how the hell did you get a $3.2 million listing? Yeah, that's not mine. I didn't tell them that. Yeah. Perception-based, like they, Perception. everyone in real estate knew that wasn't my listing. Yeah. None, no one in real estate is going to buy a house from me. Everyone on my social media thought that was mine. That's so right. I, I didn't respond with this isn't my listing. I responded with bring me a buyer. Yeah. Because I can represent a buyer. Like, are you interested? Let's meet up and check it out. Like it was all those kind of responses. Not this is not mine. So the next week I was like, I got the, all that attention for that one video. The next week I did an eight hundred thousand dollar match and then a seven hundred thousand dollar house. And people are coming to me like left and right saying, dude, I didn't know you had the business. I thought this was all like a joke. I'm like, no, in a high level. And then on my stories, I was posting writing contracts when I wasn't writing contracts. I was just posting a contract saying I'm writing one. Yeah, I was practicing. You're right. practicing. So, like, I had this perception base of, I need to look busy. I have zero business. I need to look like I have business. Right. And like, people aren't going to trust me if I have no business, right? So I would look busy as hell. And March, I went from zero in the pipeline, zero deals, no nothing going for me, and I closed two million in April. And it was just like a, a snowball effect. Of, yeah. And it was all perception based. That set everything in motion. And, and then it and just then, grew from there. And then I was like, people like funny videos. The next video I made, I was I was in a pink mesh script shirt. I had a ball gag in my mouth. Like I went 
to the nines, everyone in real estate was like, why would you make that video? Like in my office, like, don't post that. You shouldn't post that. It makes you look like a fool. I'm like, no, it doesn't. I'm going for a lap. Yeah. And that, that video got 20,000. It's, it's memorable. Yeah, 300 shares. So now I'm getting reached out. And then my first deal came from that one. It was a buy sell. And the lady who reached out to me was because her friend shared the video, which let, allowed her to see it. And then now she's reaching out to me. And now I had a listing appointment the next day. I got a buy sell from her. She's bought another house from me and she sent two people from me. All from a video where I had a ball so gag in my mouth. Five transactions. From a ball gag video. What was the thing that was compelling to her when you talked to her about it? Say, hey, what inspired you to call me? Like you saw the video, it was entertaining, but what was... It made her laugh. It made her it laugh. It made her laugh. Then she went to my page. Mm-hmm. And then when she's on my page, she sees that I'm a real estate agent at Keller Williams. And yeah. she sees, oh, he has a bit, oh, he's at this mansion. Yeah. I looked legit probably to her. Yeah. And when she had a conversation with me, I knew what I was talking about. And when I went to listing appointment, I knew what I was talking about. I got trained at a high level. Like I know the business yeah. at a high level. I just had to get my foot in the door to show you. Right. Because there's no video of me I could do right now where I could wear a full-on suit, right? And I can give exactly the Cromford report word for word. Right. First of all, 75% of people are going to tune out. Right. Then the other 15% that are watching it aren't interested in me at all. Like they're like, I would never use this guy based on my look. So you still only get a narrow group of people that, that view you. So I wasn't going after that kind of stuff. I was going after what got me the business was me talking about Tinder, was me in a ball gag. Right. It was just me putting myself out there to a huge audience because when you make it laugh, you get all the shares, you get all the views, you're hitting so many more people yeah. that you're going to appeal to a couple of them. And that's why I kind of teach people is it's not, everyone has their crowd, right? Yeah. And you always yeah. have your crowd. There's people that are going to use me over you. And there's a, people are usually on me, but I'm not advertising to those people. I'm advertising my group, hoping everyone sees it because they're going to share all my stuff. Yeah. And that was kind of an aha moment. It was, she didn't know anything about me. And three takeaways from that conversation, which, which is, it's just freaking awesome. I mean, I think that's so, uh, there's so much good stuff in there that I hope our listeners, if they're entrepreneurs or, or business owners or, or in the business, business real estate will take away. But um, the first one is you made a human connection with people. Like that was the hook, right? It was a human connection. You made me laugh. Mm-hmm. You were, be- you know, believable, entertaining, like wh- whatever it was in the video. Because I mean, other people are into different kind of videos. Yeah. But you made a human connection with them. Second thing was you were competent in the conversation when you got there, right? And then the third thing is perception is reality. That's an old school phrase too, like clout. Yeah. Perception is reality. And so if you're putting it out there and showing the activities that you're doing, and that you're working and that you're representing listings and that you're marketing those listings, even if they're not your own listings, that you're out there immersed in the business of real estate, people are going to think of you related to real estate. Yeah. Yeah. So like that's, I forgot what you were saying. <laughs> so when you talk about the human connection, I had, I had something to say. But... Well, yeah, you formed a human connection. You were yeah. talking about laughter and humor and the oh. types of videos and people are saying, don't do that. Like it's too edgy or it's too outside the box or you're going to offend people. Like, and you're just like, no, nah, this is like, this is me. I'm going to put this out there. It was when you said you knew you were knowledgeable. Yeah. But then I, I thought of that as I got my foot in the door. Right. So I'm never going to make a video or a billboard or anything that has my value prop on it. Because like I said, I can be in a suit and tie and say, I'll save you the most money. And some people, the same people are going to turn off. I'm up there in a crazy shirt and all that. The same people are going to get turned off no matter what I do. Because right. it's me that turns them on. So in any marketing thing I do, it's strictly to get my foot in the door. Yeah. And then when I have my foot in the door, then I'll start with the conversations. Then I'll give you my value proposition. Then you're going to know I'm about the business. But how I got there is always going to be a foot in the door. Like the NSYNC billboard I had, had zero to do with real estate. You just know I'm an agent. 
Yeah. But I'm just trying to get as many people to call that number and visit my site. That billboard's gotten me clients. Right. And it was just to get my foot in the door. And then now that I'm in their house, like I, I, my best listing appointment story is when I, I was interviewed with seven agents. They interviewed seven agents. I was the last one. And they called me for my billboard on, on Higley where I had the NSYNC billboard. It was just a crazy, stupid billboard, right? Yeah. Got so many views and so many reshares, like, cause it was funny. Yeah. But it had nothing to do with real estate, but they called me on it because I was out there, right? And they interviewed seven people. I walked in the house and I judged them from the moment I saw them. Just like I hate people judging me, right? Yeah. And so I saw a lily white family that was like two kids and like they bring me in the house. It's in Eastmark, which is a yeah. new community, like rich houses. And then I meet the mom and dad. They're like 67 year old white paved parents with like khakis and like new balances on. They're from Utah <laughs> and they're Mormon. And I'm just like, I was like, oh my God, they're never going to use me. I'm in ripped jeans. I got a hat on, like my well, shirt. They're going to choose you. Huh? They're going to choose you. I didn't think they were. Yeah. So I judged them, right? Yeah. I judged all of them. Like, There's no way they interviewed seven agents. I am not getting this listing, right? I love that you're sharing this. <laughs> I judged them. No, I judged but... the shit out of them. <laughs> but it put me in a position where I was the most, not cocky, but I was so arrogant because I thought I was done anyway. And I sat down and did a listing presentation. And keep in mind, like, I usually would drop my commission. I would usually do this, do that. But I was like, I'm not getting this. I don't want to waste my time. Yeah. Like, I literally just shut myself off to these people because the way they looked, I thought the way they looked and them being from Utah in my head, I'm like, they're going to be more comfortable with the seven. That's terrifically table. ironic. I, mean, <laughs> right. you, I know. Right? So it sucked. <laughs> Ended up like, they were like, what are you going to do different from us? I was like, and it put me in that position. I was like, like, what do you mean? They're like, well, every agent said the same thing. I have someone doing three and a half percent. I was like, I, I don't, I said, I don't do that. I spend too much on my marketing. I have too much of an outreach for me to drop what I do. And I didn't drop my price because I thought I didn't get anything. Right. Yeah. I was just like, if I don't get it, I'm still going to be arrogant about, um, I got the business. Right. Right. Um, and then they're like, what are you going to, how are you going to sell our house more better than they do? And I used two lines. One was a great hay line. And then one was mine. I said, how did you find me? And they're like, well, we called you from the billboard. I was like, from my advertising. She's like, yeah. So how are you going to sell my, your house? Yeah. I was like, through advertising, that's what matters right now. I said, every agent you ordered, I said, they said the same thing about pictures and sending it to this person. I said, I have better advertising. And then Greg Haig was like, he doesn't like agents don't answer the phones, right? Because there was a time when no one was answering the phones. Of no one cared. Like the REO days. That was, that was the first long time ago before you were in the well, industry. Not even just that. But the REO days, all the big REO agents, that was the number one complaint. They never answered yeah. the phone. Then people got busy. Like when it was kind of a frantic, you know, crazy mythical moment in time market, like we were in the last couple of years. Yeah. And again, we're going through the same thing. So frustrating because even for us, like I can't reach another agent a lot of the time. Yeah. So just like, answer the phone. I went to a Greg Hay thing. He was talking about your sales method the day. Sell the freaking house. Yeah. He's like, I tell all my agents, stop. Don't not answer your phone. He was still growing his brand and that his brand's important to him. Yeah. And he knew a lot of agents talk shit about his brand. So he doesn't want his client or his employees not answering phone calls because you know it's a big call like, we're not going to do that we're answering a phone call you're at the end of the day you're a salesman sell the house yeah so i told them in the listing appointment on top of the advertising i said at the end of the day i'm a salesman. i'm gonna sell your house i said i'm not gonna sit here and list your house i'm gonna sell it and what that means is i'm gonna sell your house to every client that walks in here i'm gonna sell your house to every agent that walks in here i'm gonna sell your house to everyone i send this house to I said i'm selling your house as in i'm actively selling it you're not listing it those two lines, they, they signed me right away. They didn't even question it. They didn't go back. They didn't talk about it. They signed me right away. And I was like, oh my God. It just changed all my listing presentation. It changed the way I viewed everyone. Because I'm like, I, I judged them. I thought they weren't going to use me. How big was your smile walking out of that house? That I was like on cloud nine. I was like, I never thought I could. I think it was 700,000 
$780,000 house. Nice listing. I'm just like, wow. Like, I had no idea I had that in me because I'm a nervous guy. Yeah. And me going there with confidence for once because I thought I didn't get it anyway. I changed all my listing presentation from there on out. Well, what happened was you dropped your fear. Yeah. And, and you just stood it. You just stood in, in like your belief about like who you were, like what you could bring to the table. Yeah. You present it authentically, but you just let go of your fear, right? Yeah. Got out of your head for a little bit. So I think that's so awesome. That's such a great story. I'm really glad you shared that. Yeah, one of my favorites so far. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, what's resonated with you the most about what you've learned over the last couple of years? Oh, man. About the business, about me, about... I think there's a couple yeah. of other answers that could be... Yeah, uh, how about both? Let's do both. Um, Business-wise... Um, I got a hard lesson on there's a right way to do real estate for a reason because I was doing everything differently and I was getting the business. So everything I've had business-wise has been coming to me. But this year I lost seven clients listing their houses because I had this perception that I was too busy for them. And they probably perception that way because I'm blasting social media about how busy I am. Yeah, I don't have a follow-up system. I don't have a CRM. I don't have any of that stuff going. Like the right stuff you're supposed to do in real estate, I don't do. So like now I'm trying to play catch up. I just hired someone two weeks ago to start doing that for me. So they felt like they didn't matter. It would be a number. Mm-hmm. Kind of yeah, I called them and asked them. Yeah. I said, hey, why don't you sell it with me? And all of them, they're like, you look too busy. I didn't want to bother you. You look too busy. Right. I'm like, oh, I got to change that. Like I got to have a CRM system. I got to follow these people. I got to make those calls. Because to me, I thought I was going to bother them. I'm like, you don't. In my opinion, I was like, I'm going to sell you a house. I'm not going to sit there and call you every week to see how you're doing. Like, you don't want to hear from me. You want to move on with your family and live your life. Right. So I didn't reach out to them. But then you see the backlash of that is they don't they think you stop caring about them, which I don't. Gosh, I built that relationship on yeah. caring about you. But I kind of just showed, oh, I got my paycheck and left. And that wasn't reality, but that's maybe how they perceived it. They need to be reminded, though. I mean, to your point, like, you know, I, I uh, you know, I, as somebody who cares deeply, I know you share that like about people, like they matter to you. Mm-hmm. And um, I think they need to be reminded that you care and, and come from contribution. And yeah, I learned that the hard way. Yeah. Cause I've always said like your one self is never going to keep me in business. It's you always referring to me, you always using me or blasting my name. That's what keeps me in business. Yeah. But I wasn't telling them that after the transaction. So I, I've changed that about my business. That was the biggest aha moment in my career would probably be, there's a right way to do real estate for a reason. Just because you do it differently doesn't mean it trumps the right way to do it. Well, and perception uh, sort of hurts you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Perception helps me because you weren't then countering it and saying, Here, here's the perception you may have, but I'm still personally involved. I still personally care. I'm still personally in touch. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like life, I just think uh, we all hold ourselves back too much. It's never, we have excuses that it's always something else, but at the end of the day, you have the ability to change anything you can. Like, it's just, I think people just rely on the excuses like I was doing forever. And when you rely on excuses, it never comes. What were your big excuses? No one's going to believe you. No one's going to trust you. You tattooed your face. You can't do it. You're not smart enough. You know, I was. You're not funny enough. You're not, it was everything. You're not a good looking guy. You're, it was, there was a lot of things that, but why I couldn't do it? But it was because it was just me tearing myself down. So like I said, like by it, and that's why I try to go on my way to lift somebody else up because you never know what they're going through. They might have that struggle where if I keep pounding on them, everyone was pounding. They might not ever get to where they need to be. Like me, if I listened to everybody and I kept posting things and, and people kept tearing me down and I didn't change, 
then I would never still be in real estate. I'd still be thinking I can't do it because right. I let everyone else's opinion matter. I think what's remarkable is um, you said you interviewed yourself in the mirror, you know, and you were willing to look like deeply within and and confront your demons, but also be really staying in curiosity about what's the path, where's there going to be resistance, what are my personal strengths, uh, and be really intentional about designing a, a plan and a purpose for yourself. Yeah. I mean, you have to do that. Yeah. The other jobs that you can make the money you can in real estate all require a ton of schooling, a ton of work, a ton of brains, a ton of looks, like a ton of talent, like all the careers that can make the most money, like real estate. You yeah. have to have a plan. You have to have money to do it. You have to have an education. You have to have something. So in real estate, like, why is it different? Like, why aren't you pouring into yourself as much as you can like with knowledge? Because that's what's going to keep you in the business. Like, people think real estate come and sell houses. Not. I went to every mastermind I could. I went to lunch with Russia Shaw. I went to lunch with Greg Hague. Like, I, got the, I was on a team. Like, I, I got all the info I needed to become a success. Because I knew if I go work at Apple, yeah, I could make 500 grand a year at Apple, but I'm also going to start in the mailroom, maybe nothing, right? And work my way up. So that's what I was doing in real estate. Like the first two years, I didn't think I'd be a name. I didn't think I'd have this popularity, but I already knew I had this, this saying, even if you don't use me, you're going to have seen me. So that was my first two years, be the most seen, be the most known. Because um, that was like my schooling, but also I have to have these face-to-face conversations where I know what I'm talking about. So I, I did the work. Yeah, I think people miss that part. They don't do the word. They just think it's easy. Yeah. Well, you were open to start with a beginner's mind. And I think, you know, because of, we've talked a little bit about comparison today. I think because of the comparison thing, especially people are coming from other industries, you know, maybe they've had a successful corporate career. You know, maybe they've established themselves as a teacher. You know, you had that as, as part of your history. But maybe they've done some other career where they, they feel like they've established a certain stature. And it's really humbling to come into this. And to start over as a beginner, yeah. you know, and then to put in the sweat equity, which you obviously have the work ethic. And that's probably the number one missing ingredient between people staying in the business and thriving or failing out of the business is yeah. just is work ethic and tenacity and, and showing up at the events and plugging in. That's exactly where like my, I kind of explain my story, my work ethic is, but I'm not the only one like that. I mean, you and I have a good friend together, Shivani. Yeah. Like we look at her story. Like she was a housewife. Like there's, it's not just the guy with tattoos that was driving a semi. There's also the women who have been housewives raising kids and yeah. they want more for themselves. Yeah. And someone was holding her back. They didn't want her to have that for herself. And she went and got it. And she's a highly, highly successful woman now. Right. But she was a stay-at-home mom forever, right? Yeah. And the woman who was married for 20 years and her husband leaves her and says, you'll never do better than me and leaves her. Leaves her high and dry. And now she's got two kids. Like she, she has the drive. Like everyone has it in them. And that's the best thing I could tell you about real estate. It doesn't matter who you are or your background. That's what's the best thing about it. Like I have my face tattooed and I had success. She wanted to stay at home mom and she had success. This woman got beat by her husband and stayed for 20 years and beaten down on says, you'll never do anything without me. Now she had success. Like the guy who's an immigrant who came to this country with nothing has success. Like there's so many stories in real estate of people who came from the dirt or came from nothing or came from a bad situation. And of this thriving life is because they've had the work ethic and they've had the drive. So like you, not everyone can achieve that in a medical field. Not everyone can achieve that being a lawyer. Like there's just like in real estate, like literally anyone can have success in real estate. Yeah. It depends on what you're willing to put into it. 
Yeah, so true. And so true in life, right? You can have what you want depending on what you're willing to put into it. Yeah. What are you most excited about right now, just in life and in business? Um, growth. <laughs> like yeah. I'm two and a half, like I never thought I could do this in two and a half years. And like I'm excited to see what five years looks like. Like maybe I will become like that name. Yeah. So I'm just I'm excited to see where it could be because my life's changed, my kids' life's changed, my mom's life's changed. Like everyone around me's life's changed. I want to keep doing that. <laughs> yeah. So it's just, I'm excited to see just how big I can actually build this. Because I thought my initial goal was I want to sell five to 10 houses a year. Yeah. That's what I thought I could do with a, a brand and a tattoo place. Like I thought I could say, 10 houses a year, it's still, I've made 70 grand at Pepsi and Frito Lay. Yeah. I made 70 grand ruining my freaking life. You mean to tell me 10 deals a year can't provide me 100 grand? Yeah. And now I can have that same life, but now I'm happy. Right. So that was, that was the thing. It's just like, and a much more manageable schedule yes, and work, work you enjoy doing stuff that lights you up and connecting with people. And yeah, so right now I'm supposed to have 10 hours, 10 years a year and live the happy life I was. So yeah. That's kind yeah. Of, uh, now I'm excited to see actually where it could actually go. It's already grown way, way, way beyond that. Right. Yeah, I thought my ceiling was what I did my first year. I did 22 homes. I was like, there's no way in hell I'll ever do that again. Which is a remarkable first year in this yeah. industry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. It was a lot of hard work and it came out of nowhere and like surprised me and I didn't do things the right way. But at the same time, I'm like, wow, like my ceiling was so low. <laughs> That's where you also learn real estate, but there's no ceiling. I always feel like if you if you put in enough effort over enough time with good intentions, the good results are gonna show up. Sometimes they come from unexpected places, but they're gonna show up. Yeah. Discipline's gonna be rewarded. Yeah. It's been a roller coaster ride. Yeah. I'm here for it. I want more roller coaster rides. Yeah. I, I'm seeing like a national brand one day. You have billboards all over the country. That's like the play. Oh, that's the I see. You look what Greg did yeah. in Arizona. Now you bring that nation. Yeah. It's incredible. It's crazy. Why? Like, I want that. It's, just, it's cool to see and even have access to somebody who built that. If I call him right now, he'll help me. And this is a competition, right? Yeah. I, I market heavy. He marks it heavy. It's like, he's. He's a huge name. I'm about killing that name. Yeah. Like he has every right to be like, I'm going to blow this guy out of the water. Right. But he pours into me just as much. Like if I call him right now and ask him, he can help me. Like wow. that's the best thing about real estate. Like we all want each other to win. And it's abundant philosophy. And when you come with a place of giving, like everyone here giving, like everyone comes from a place of giving, they all have a thriving business. Like everyone I know that is willing to help has yeah. a thriving business. Yeah. Well, you're making a huge impact, man. It's been uh, it's been incredible to witness, you. you know, and uh, it's been incredible to have this conversation today. I think there's a lot of wisdom that you shared, and and uh, I know this will be inspiring for everybody that listens to it. So, well, you uh, too. Like you, you inspire people daily. Some of my confidence came back into my career at the beginning is because I was going to lunches with you guys and the dinners and, and hearing your story, where you came from, hearing other people's stories, just seeing what they're doing gave me kind of like confidence, like you have something going for you and still do this stuff. So yeah. like just as much as I inspire people, like just seeing your success with where you came from and your battles you overcome inspires other people in different ways that helps them go keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate it. So let's wrap up and, um, you know, I always like to ask per people about their personal legacy. So Justin, like when you think about what's really important to you and your personal legacy, what comes to mind? Um, I want to change my family tree. Like that's what, like my like my family tree. Like we don't have anyone that's ever been that name, or that has like 
a huge amount of success or something that everyone on that tree looks up to. Like, I want to be that person. So I want to change my entire, like, we have alcoholism and drugs. Like, we have a lot of negative things, I yeah. think, that people focus too much on. Um, I want to be that family tree where my kids are like, oh, I got to outdo my dad. Like, he's way up there. And then their kids are like, I'll never be better than grandpa was. And then my sister's kids, my niece and nephew are like, oh my God, that's my grandpa. Like, I just want to be that name to somebody, right? Yeah. So I just want to change the entire family tree because it gives them something to chase now. I didn't have anything to chase, I don't think. My father passed away on a little. Like, no one in my family, men-wise, they've had, like, success at a small level, but no one was that name. Like, my grandpa wasn't a name. <laughs> so I just want to be something that my kids, generation, generation, they can change, like, what we came from. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. Well, you already are, and I know that you will. So keep going. Yeah. Hey, man, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Always enjoy our time together. Appreciate you.